Hello, everybody. Welcome into week two of In Session. And perhaps it could be week three if you count the episode of Frederick Uncut, or the episode that nobody will ever hear that we recorded last week and ditched to re-record. Remember that? Come on. I'm here with Danielle E. Gaines and Kelsey Luce. How are you, Danielle? Hello, I'm great. Kelsey, how are you? Doing good, doing good. You're in the depths of the Annapolis chambers, are you not? Oh, it's so real down here. Yeah. That's, it's so real. I'm into it. I'm into it. So first first full week in Annapolis, a lot of stuff to talk about. I was reading over some of the stories we had talked. Danielle, I'm going to address this first to you. So I hope you're ready for this. Yeah. I was reading about the governor's budget, and then I got to this line that said, crying over cracked eggs. <laughs> Can you please explain to me what happened? I mean, that was one of just many, many lines that came out of the governor's office this week. So, um, you know, it was budget week in Annapolis, and as we'll get to, like, it was all about money this week. Um, but first came the budget. So... Uh, there's a typical process for the budget coming out in the state of Maryland, according to Democratic leaders. There's a meeting with a bipartisan meeting with the governor from fiscal leaders, Democratic leaders, Republican leaders at the governor's mansion. And then there's usually a press conference about the budget. Then the budget comes out the next morning. That usually includes a briefing from the budget secretary. And your story said some of these things did not go down like this. Not in that order. So the governor held a press conference about the budget on Tuesday. Tuesday. And then invited on that same day invited the Democratic leaders and some of the Democratic fiscal leaders to breakfast the next morning. They responded by saying, well, if you've already had a press conference and told the public what the budget's about, then that's fine. We don't need to come and hear it. You already made it public. So there was a bit of a boycott. There was a back and forth on the Senate floor about uh, should they have gone, should they have not gone. and uh, the governor's spokesperson said, "Crying over cracked eggs." Is that yes? Yeah, yes. yeah. So, uh, are people still fired up about this? This has been there. You know, there are some breaks with uh, typical Annapolis protocol. Um, sometimes by the administration of Governor Larry Hogan, he ran on the tagline "Change Maryland," so people maybe shouldn't be totally surprised by that. Mm-hmm. But um, this, you know, the press conference happened on Tuesday. The back and forth um, about the breakfast happened on Wednesday when Democrats didn't come. Mm-hmm. On Thursday in the Senate chamber, there was a different issue where um, one of the senators stood up and talked about um, the administration's um, proclivity to <laughs> their tendency to file um letters of information about bills instead of letters of support or letters against. And what they were saying was that past administrations have been more likely to support or not support legislation, which helps lawmakers make up their minds, not send these letters of information, which don't help them know where the administration is. So, um, you know. Did anybody ask him, to your knowledge, if, if that whole move with the breakfast was an antagonistic move on any level? Um, I, you know, there were questions about that. I think, um, I, I don't know that they ever went entirely answered. Um, the Senate, one of the things a lot of people got caught up on is the Senate president, 
uh, at one point on the floor of the Senate said that the governor had invited from his chamber five white men to mm. the breakfast. And he said, mm. that's not democracy. Our chamber is very um, diverse and there were no women, there were no minorities. Um, so then the response to that was that it was the fiscal leaders and the Senate president who, and the majority leader who were, I, I believe were, who were invited. And um, it's the Senate president who picks those positions, not the governor. So yeah. if there are five white men in those positions in his chamber, that kind of came back on him. So there was a lot of back and forth about a lot of different parts of this. Wow, it seems like it got off to a good start. This yeah. year. Uh, so what about the actual budget, though? The actual budget. Yeah. So there was a budget that was released. Outside um, of the drama. Outside of the drama, $44 billion budget. And That's so much money. <laughs> it includes a number of things. Um, you know, it includes... Uh, record spending for education every year there's record spending for education in the state of maryland because it's formula driven to go up every year um there was also um some things that people weren't entirely happy about while the total education funding went up um so also did a a, a program that allows uh, low-income children to go to private schools which um some groups don't agree with, including the Maryland State Educators Association. Um, there also was a cut to programs for college readiness and um, teacher training. And then um, there was also a question about the Children's Health Insurance Program. Mm -hmm. um, that's an issue unresolved in Washington and could create a really big strain on the state budget if the state decides to step in and fully fund that program. That's all up in the air right now. Um, Governor Hogan's budget did leave $1 billion in the state's reserves. So there's money there potentially to play around with things. That's a lot of money to play around with. I'm just saying. I'm, I could have a good time with a billion dollars. I could dollars. have a, a, very good, a very good time. Now, Kelsey, there, there were a lot of local implications from this budget. Um, and I was reading your story from earlier this week. And it talked about hotel funding, which I think you said uh, they're not going to get from the state. Right. Yeah. So it was pretty notice notable for Frederick that the funding was not in there, but it, that's also not unusual for the past couple for the past couple budgets. The governor hasn't included that, and then the um, Democratic representatives of Frederick County have kind of fought to get that back in there. That's a fifteen million dollar bond project, so that's not chump change. But um, yes, yeah, Senator Young said he would aim to do the same again this year. So we'll see how that goes. And it seemed as though Senator Huff was against state state funding for the hotel, correct? Right. Yeah. Um, his position is basically that the government shouldn't be in the business of, you know, kind of giving a uh, private sector support like that in that way. Mm -hmm. So he, he's he's happy to see it not in there. Now, uh, local delegate Karen Lewis Young uh, criticized the budget as well. Um, she was worried about the impact of changes to federal tax law. Can you talk a little bit about um, her position on and what her issues were sort of on a local level? Yeah, her concern was that it really didn't do much to anticipate uh, how the federal tax is going to, to impact Marylanders. And also, um, it didn't really make any sort of any sort of preparations for um, the possibility that the federal government might not be funding the CHIP program. So uh, 
she was a little concerned about going forward what that would look like. Mm-hmm. And also, there's uh, this highway user revenue uh, money that that was it was increased uh, by a tenth of a million dollars. I guess that would be a hundred thousand dollars. Is my math correct? Yeah. So that's a perennial yeah. issue. People have been trying okay. to get highway user revenue back for a long time. In 2007, Frederick County had gotten 13.8 million. So you can tell that it's nowhere near its highest level of yeah. funding, but it is inching mm-hmm. up there. So I I have the sense that transportation advocates will certainly be pleased to see that but that's good that's good we need i hope that goes to the left lane bill in some fashion <laughs> that more, more money to arrest people over there um it, it, it doesn't I, uh, of course it doesn't danielle <laughs> it's but, for routine uh, road maintenance hope all of that 2.2 million dollars needs to go to arrest people my job here is just a fact check colin <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's fair enough. I need that in my life. I need, yeah. like, a consistent fact checker. Consider it done. Uh, yes, Danielle, yes. Uh, now, this morning, some things happened as well, uh, Kelsey. And by the way, I do think this is coming out on Friday. T- today? Okay. I just I, sometimes I just don't know anymore. But, uh, Kelsey, can you update us on anything that happened today that maybe hasn't been in the paper yet? Absolutely. Transportation was the theme of the delegates' meeting today. So they met with uh, Jan Gardner and transportation planner Ron Burns to talk about the highway priorities. Well, let me correct that, the overall transportation priorities. But in terms Mm -hmm. of highways, the top project remained a a project at I-270 and US-15 that would widen the highway out from four to six lanes. So right Mm -hmm. now that project's in the planning phase and it's likely to stay that way until at least uh, late 2019. Uh, So the only changes that the delegation really wanted to make is uh, Senator Young suggested adding one weekend mark train trip back to their their list. And that's something that had been on it before. So it sounds Mm -hmm. like um, Ron Burns said he would go ahead and just add that back just to keep it in part of the conversation, the ongoing conversation with the State Highway Administration. And the other change was to the... um, uh, the system preservation priorities. So uh, County Executive Gardner requested that they move up a project that would put a left turn lane and a traffic light at Maryland 26 and Old Annapolis Road and Water Street. They just wanted to move that up because there's a fairly, there's a higher than average crash rate there. Hmm. Now you used to cover transportation for this paper, didn't you, Kelsey? I did. It was like old times. Yeah. So you know more about this than anybody else in Annapolis, right? Um, probably not, but let's say that. Let's say I do. Okay, we'll go with that. Um, there's something that we all love to talk about uh, every week. It's called taxes. <laughs> and I'm, I'm getting uh, emails currently about uh, filling out my taxes online and also the fact that I haven't paid my taxes in five years. I don't know if there's something wrong with that. But, uh, Kelsey, Democratic leaders uh, plan to introduce three bills uh, uh, to make changes to federal tax law. Can you tell us a little bit? about what you learned regarding that this week. Sure. This goes back to the issue of responding to the federal tax reform. So there's there's a three-point plan, as you say. The first would be to um, restore personal exemptions for Marylanders on their state taxes um, because the federal government has done away with those under the new plan. Um, Mm -hmm. And the second would be to um, adjust the estate tax because the federal estate tax exemption doubled from $5 million to $10 million. 
So mm -hmm. you could get an estate up uh, up to $10 million without paying taxes on it. So their Democrats want to draft a state law to keep it at five here in Maryland, five million here in Maryland. And the third would be to add new charitable deductions. Um, there weren't a lot of details about these out right now, but that's the general outline of what they'd like to do. And this pleases the governor? Uh, I, I don't really know, to be honest. Did you have a chance <laughs> to talk to him about it, Daniel, or get any sense of that, Daniel? There, there's well, a I, think that, I think the governor had a bit of a facetious comment uh, in your story <laughs> about that Democrats were finally talking about taxes, so yes. he wanted to throw a party. Quote, we're uh, thrilled that, that they're talking about this. I'm ready to throw a party, he said. I almost Wait. forgot about that. I don't know how I could forget such a grand little joke. <laughs> so much bickering this week, and it's the oh, first week. Oh, there's so much. And um, I, I'm sure we will hear some thoughts from the governor once the the finer details of those tax bills come forward, as Kelsey was saying. Good. This will be good. A lot of, a lot of words. A lot of words. <laughs> One of my favorite words while recording episodes uh -oh. of In Session. We all know where this is going. Friends and family, uh, it's gerrymandering. And from what I understand, Governor Hogan is going to the Supreme Court now. Is that correct, Danielle? Yeah, we're we're on the gerrymander train. Yeah. Um, choo -choo. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Governor Hogan had a press conference yesterday, or maybe <laughs> maybe you could call it uh, more like a campaign rally. It hey, was then. okay. Perfect. Yeah, it was up in the governor's reception room, and it was jam-packed full of people hey there and um mostly republicans and they were there to hear a press conference from the governor about the issue of gerrymandering so two things came out of that press conference one is that he is filing an amicus or amicus i don't know latin uh <laughs> and and lawyers say it like half and half but i'm gonna say amicus amicus so he's gonna oh. file an amicus brief with the supreme court um, in favor of the plaintiffs in the case challenging Maryland's congressional district map. Mm -hmm. So on the other side, the defendants in that case is the rest of the state and actually the state government. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so that makes for awkward dinner conversation. <laughs> yeah. So that brief is going to be filed uh, soon. A copy of it was not available. But one of the notable things about the brief is that it's going to be co-signed by former California Governor Gray Davis. Mm -hmm. Gray Davis, of course, is a Democrat. Uh, the state of California, of course, has moved forward with a nonpartisan commission approach to redistricting in their state. And um, Governor Hogan said he was going to file the brief with the idea that, like, there should be a bipartisan discussion of um, how to take on this problem. And he's going to file something next week? So then also next week he's going to file a bill. Yes. His his bill that he keeps filing that uh, keeps not passing. Uh, <laughs> oh, shade. shade. No, no. It's just the, that's just what's happening. Um, he's going to file refile his bill that would establish a nonpartisan redistricting commission in the state of Maryland. So um, during this press conference where he talked um, so much about bipartisanship, he also very much laid into the uh, State House Democrats' plan for a bipartisan solution on gerrymandering, which we've talked about before. Mm -hmm. um, this 
last year during session, they passed a Mid-Atlantic Compact, which was a bill that would require six states in the Mid-Atlantic region to all move forward together, three dem- three that have tended to be gerrymandered in favor of Democrats, three that have tended to be gerrymandered in favor of Republicans. And the idea is that if everybody moves forward with nonpartisan redistricting together, the balance of power in Washington is not shifted, but better representation is created at each state. Um, Governor Hogan has long attacked any sort of multi-state compact like that as an excuse to not move forward. So he is going to introduce his bill again this year, uh, the Mid-Atlantic Compact. He vetoed last year. The veto override of that bill is scheduled for the last day of the General Assembly session. So it's not, nothing's going to get done. Nothing's going to get done. We'll see. There'll be something exciting for me and Kelsey to cover on Sine Die, it seems like. This, but if So if this goes to the Supreme Court, will you be covering the Supreme Court? Yeah, I'm going to do uh, whatever I can to sit next to Nina Totenberg. That would be so much Obviously. fun. Obviously. Yes. Yeah. That'd be, can you take us? No. Can we do an in-session <laughs> from the Supreme Court? I think that would be a lot of fun. I want to move now to what is, what is it, Danielle? I know you know the answer. What is the best Thing in the newspaper every week. Political notes. <laughs> we need its own theme song. And this week's is jam packed. You guys really yeah. love it. And you guys both write this, correct? Oh, yeah, man. With two people, we're just like cranking stuff out. Man, oh, man, oh, man. So uh, this week, uh, Mako. 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 <laughs> Mako, not uh, related to Waco, Texas. Maryland Association of Counties. Indeed. And this led political notes. Kelsey, would you explain the fight that's currently happening? Sure. It's it's over the procedures. It's a procedural issue. So what happened was, let me take you back. So January 6, 2015, take it back. Uh, Council, <laughs> Councilwoman MC Keegan Air was appointed as a, um, a uh, liaison or the, to the MAKO Legislative Committee. And so how the appointments work is that it, County Executive Jan Gardner picks someone. It has to be confirmed by the council. So back in 2015, uh, MC Keegan Air was confirmed. So we'll take it forward to this past Tuesday, the 16th. There was supposed mm-hmm. to be a discussion about the appointment to the, count, to the uh, uh, legislative committee at the county and council it, meeting. But because mm-hmm. of the weather... It, it didn't end up happening. It was rescheduled. But instead, uh, Council President Bud Otis sent a letter to Mako just saying that Councilman Tony Schmelick would replace uh, uh, Councilwoman Keegan Air. So mm-hmm. I got her on the phone, and she was saying she has no problem with uh, Councilman Schmelick being appointed, but she was concerned about the process. And it turns out that in the, the charter, it does appear at least according to the arguments of County Executive Gardner and according to the arguments of Councilwoman Keegan Air, it does appear that um, the appointments are at the discretion of the County Executive. So what that would mean is that that letter written would not necessarily be valid. So Mm. this has set up a whole kind of mess that they're going to have to work out. Uh, The County Attorney is looking over everything and we'll see what happens. Yeah, we're going to have to keep an eye on that. And I also, the, the biggest nugget from that portion of the story was that Bud Otis would only respond an email? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's oh, okay. um, an issue. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. And then the second part, or at least the second to the top part 
of Political Notes this week, Danielle, uh, dealt with a fair finance fight. Yes. Um, Governor Larry Hogan, if you want to take it from here. <laughs> well, and Governor Hogan, when he was introducing his budget um, on Tuesday before he told, you know, Senate Democrats about his budget, um, he also took a swipe at Shame. one of them. <laughs> I'm just reporting the news, Colin. Um, no, but he did. He was introducing his budget, and he was making a point of some of the things that he's funded over time. And he noted that uh, he's had a long-standing uh, tradition of including increased funding for the state's Fair Campaign Finance Fund. That's a fund that allows um, candidates to uh, solicit small donors, and in exchange for having a small donor campaign, you get a matching amount from the state, up to a certain amount of money. Mm -hmm. So um, Larry Hogan is the one and only person who's ever been elected the governor of the state of Maryland by um, running a public financed campaign. And so uh, he depleted it, partly. Um, <laughs> there was another candidate that year as well, uh, Heather Mazir, who also ran on the um, public financing program. So the after 2014, the account was quite depleted. So he has put money forward in his general fund appropriations to um, increase increase the fund balance for the past few years. Um, and he did not include that this year. Oh. And he made a point of oh. noting that um, he didn't include it because for the past two years, um, the Democrats in the state house have cut the appropriations that he's wanted to put forward. He wanted to put in about $2.8 million, and they've only approved about $1 million. Um, in bipartisan measure, the the legislature passed a bill in 2015 that created dedicated funding revenues for that account. So it does have about $2.9 million in it. It has increased since the 2014 campaign. Um, but he noted that um, one of the people who has voted against the Fair Campaign Finance Fund allocation from the general fund in the past is State Senator Rich Maddaleno. Maddaleno, of course, has announced that he's running for governor um, hey <laughs> on public financing. Oh, so a lot of maneuvering. It was like a you know a wink and a grin during the press conference, and of course, I went and talked to Senator Maddaleno about it afterwards, and um, he said he still stands by not putting general uh, general fund expenditures towards that campaign finance fund. He thinks it should be generated through um, campaign filings and late fees for people who don't file their campaign finance reports on time and through people who voluntarily donate to it. Interesting. Very, very interesting. We want to get to the final topic, which is the grand brouhaha of this week's <laughs> in session. Um, you, you guys, both of you, have been working on some campaign finance stories most of the staff. And that's why well, I know, but you're the only ones on this podcast <laughs> right now. So, Kelsey, we'll, we'll start with you. Can you tell us a little bit about what you've been working on? Yeah, I, I took a, a sneak peek at the finances for the county executive race. And I, the biggest takeaway there is how much Kathy Absali has, has raised. Her bankroll is at $101 thousand eight hundred sixty six dollars so you compare that yeah I, I wish i had that in my bank account right boy yeah so you I, compare that ooh. to uh kirby delotter has let me check the number here fourteen thousand six hundred fifty five and regina williams th those are both republican contenders here. she's got eleven thousand three hundred thirty four so hmm. so that there's quite the disparity there kelsey yeah there is but they say they're not worried because um 
part of Afsali's sum is a $20,000 loan to herself just to kind of get the campaign rolling. That's so a lot of money. she uh, I talked to Delegate Afsali about that and she considers that a uh, an investment in herself and an investment in her message. So that's a nice way to look at it, but her opponents are kind of saying, well, you know, you didn't get that in donate in, in contributions. So what does that really mean? Yeah. But she did get 80,000. Yeah, she did. <laughs> she get 80, she did. More let's dollars. not let's not sell her short. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Danielle, how about you? Well, I was going to say, Kelsey, there was a really big gap in another race you looked at, too. Right? Oh. Yes. Let me talk about that one. So I also took okay. a look at the Senate. Look at that segue. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> that is how you do a segue. Beautiful. So I also took a look at the Senate 3, uh, dis- District 3 race. So that has a Republican challenger, Chet Greg, excuse me, my mouth isn't working, Craig Giagrande taking on... Uh, Billy Shreve as Republicans and then they're trying to unseat Senator Ron Young and that's shaping up to be a pretty uh, a pretty interesting race because the Republicans mm. really want Ron Young's seat. So there's going to be mm. a lot of money involved because of that. So uh, Gia Grande has a bank account now of $98,943. So that's mm. quite a lot. But then when you take a look at what uh, Billy Shreve has gotten his his funds right now stand at three thousand two hundred twenty dollars. Wow. So that's a pretty big disparity. <laughs> so I I talked to Councilman Shreve about that, and uh, he's not concerned. He says, "Oh, I I haven't really started fundraising yet. I'm gonna start that in April. Right now, I'm worried." It's a lot of bake sales. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Right now, I'm focused on governing. Um, so I, I did ask wow. uh, uh, Craig Giagrande what he thought about that, and he didn't really comment. But then. Senator Huff also weighed in on it. But somebody else that, got in on the yes, action. Senator <laughs> Huff talked about it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Senator what did he Huff say? stepped in saying that um, that maybe Billy Shreve should step aside for the good of a party. Uh, and, you know, maybe he's not a serious contender if he's only raised that much. But, again, uh, Shreve just kind of shrugged it off. Like, I don't really care what he thinks. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing my thing. So he's going to do it his way. Does anybody like each other? On That's any a level. Good question. I like I you mean, guys. I don't, we like you too, Kelsey. We like you too. Wow. Step aside for the good of the party. Good for Michael Huff. Just throwing his name out there. Well, uh, another segue. Another segue into <laughs> your campaign finance stories. Damian. Michael Huff had some good news this week. Oh, okay. So he had reason to celebrate. So his campaign finance report shows that he has $153,000 in the That's bank. a lot of money. Which is among the highest um, in terms of our local lawmakers. And in the Senate, um, only the minority le- minority leader and the minority whip have more money as Senate Republicans than Senator Huff. He mm. has the third highest amount in that chamber. Good for him. So yeah. he's feeling good right now. I think he's so, feeling. yeah. And then, so you're working on these stories. When will they be in the paper? Um, we're going to have lots and lots and lots on campaign finance on Saturday. It'll be up tonight. We also have fun news about the Frederick County Sheriff's race. Ooh, we had can we get a little preview? Two people file their candidacies today. Uh-oh. Um, so we have, uh, for now, at least a rematch between Carl Bickle, a Democratic candidate, and Sheriff Chuck Jenkins. And they both filed today, and we'll have a little bit of something on that soon. Ooh, that'll be it's fun the rematch. to follow. The rematch. Mm-hmm. It'll be good. Cage match. So next week. 
<laughs> what what is going on next week? It's a wrestling term. What are you talking about? What is going on next week? Kelsey, we'll start with you. Uh, anything you're looking forward to next week? Um, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing what goes on in the um – Oh, my goodness. I had some thoughts to share, and now I've lost them. <laughs> can we, we skip can go to, to Danielle? Danielle and maybe we'll go to Danielle. Out? Danielle, next week for you, what are you looking forward to? This I podcast? Don't know. Kelsey and I both have brains of mush. It's been a long week. Lots and lots and it's lots of numbers. All the numbers, though. All of the numbers? All of the numbers. Did you leave one number unturned? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> um, there are fun things coming up in the near future that we'll be talking to you about. <laughs> we just can't be specific. Uh, the state of oh. the state's coming up soon. We'll have uh, that. Um, committee yeah, hearings really start in earnest next week. Yeah, that's what I wanted to add. I, I figured it out. Sorry to jump in. <laughs> so there's a couple There's a couple bills going to committee that should be interesting. Uh, there's a film production tax credit that will be heard on Wednesday that would kind of pr- promote Maryland uh, filmmakers. And there's a... Nope, actually, that's the main one I wanted to tell you. About. <laughs> that's it. That's all. <laughs> yep. Yeah, okay. it. We did a lot of We're money good. this We're week. Good. We're just we going to watch movies next week. Okay, yeah. <laughs> that's good. Maybe the best bill of them all, Bill Green, will be introduced <laughs> next week. Oh boy! So week two is in the books for in session. Next week will be the official uh, second official week, full week, I guess. Of, yeah. Of the session. Uh, what, of course, was the best thing you ate this week, Kelsey? Oh, I represented Baltimore today. I treated myself to Sophie's Crepes. They apparently have a shop here in Annapolis, and that's a place I like to enjoy getting a snack when I'm in Baltimore. So, represent. Treat yourself. Danielle? I was also very Marylandy, but like not fancy. But uh, I like to make an old bay grilled cheese at the Senate Ooh. Canteen, and it's my favorite. Ooh. Okay, sounds good. good. Well, thank you so much for taking the time, Danielle E. Gaines, Kelsey Luce. Uh, good luck traveling, Kelsey. Well, and good luck, Danielle, being in the newsroom because <laughs> we all need luck for that, right? That's true. So, uh, thank you guys, and we will talk again next week. Thanks, Colin. Mm-hmm.